final exam. And if you don't pass it, we'll, I'll preach again, and then hopefully the second time you will. <laughs> so today we're going to be looking at um, a famous story concerning fathers. But it goes beyond that. So I will promise that we'll come back to that. So go ahead and open your Bibles or turn them on. And we're going to go straight to the book of Genesis, chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. That's the first book of the Bible. And I'm going to be reading out of the NIV. Some of you may have a different, uh, a different version, but the message is the same. So Genesis 22, we're going to go from verse 1 to 18. Before we um, dive right into the Word, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, you are king. You are in control. Thank you for this time that we have together as a church family, one church, one body, one people. We ask that you open our eyes, our spiritual eyes, open our minds so understand your word, but most important, open our hearts so your word may live in, in, our, in our hearts. Give us this, the courage this week to share your word. And in Jesus' name we pray, and everybody says, amen. amen. Very good. Okay, so uh, Genesis chapter uh, 22, uh, verse 1 to 18, it should sound familiar to most of you, if not all of you. Abraham, we find Abraham is asked by God to take his promised son, whom he loves, you will see that, who he waited for 25 years, his only son, and offer him as a sacrifice. And he says right there on, on uh, verse 1, it starts giving you the, uh, the example. See, sometime later, God tested Abraham, he says. He said to Abraham, Abraham, Abraham responded, here I am. And he says, take your son, your only son, and offer him as a sacrifice. Now, we can imagine what a loving father must be thinking at that time. This is my only son, the one that you promised, and now you want me to do what? To sacrifice him? However, we find that Abraham, being obedient and fearful to the Lord, does just that. So he gathers up a donkey, firewood, gives his firewood to his son, two of the servants, and the four of them go to a little trip. Three days. Three days it took for Abraham and the group to get to where they needed to be. And then when he recognized a place, Abraham said to um, the servants, wait here, we'll be back. Places the wood on, in the back, on the back of the, his only son. There should be a reference right there. Places the wood, a heavy wood, on the, father, on the son's back. And the son asks, hey, we're here, but where's the sacrifice? And Abraham says to him, the Lord will provide. He has that trust. The Lord will provide. I am sure, being human, that he was feeling a little anxious, fearful, waiting, but he was obedient to God. He was obedient to God even to, to the point that he was willing to sacrifice his only son as he was requested. We all know the story after that. He ties him up, uh, puts him on the altar, takes out the knife, and just as he's about to strike down, he hears the voice of God again. Once again, he says, Abraham, he responds, here I am. Here I am. Do not touch the boy. For now I know that you fear the Lord. And later on, 
we read that God swore by himself that because of Abraham's obedience and fear of the Lord, he would be blessed beyond comprehension. See, this is a story about faith and obedience. It depicts a loving father about to give up his only son, whom he loved, as we just read, to sacrifice, trusting a loving father who later on will give his only son, whom he loved, to be the sacrifice. Can I get a mean for that? See, folks, that's the gospel right there. That's the gospel right there. Loving father giving up his son as a sacrifice. As a result of this, of this attitude of obedience and also his actions, he was rewarded with countless descendants that would prosper, meaning multiply, with blessing. In obedience, church family, in obedience to the Father, there is blessing. How many of you know that? When you obey God, you're going to be blessed. Most of the times, we're going to be blessed beyond what we can imagine. Blessings, provisions of love, perfect love. See, God provided at the perfect time. God always comes in at the perfect time. You are here today because of God's perfect time. Some of you were invited. Some of you are here for the first time. It might be the first time in a long time. Some of you probably were dragged out of bed. But that's okay. You're here right now. I'm really thankful, and i got to put that plug in there. I'm really thankful for my oldest son to be here. So for those of you who don't know, my son serves in the, in the world's greatest Air Force. I know, I'm going to embarrass you. Go, 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 get up a little bit. Get up, get, get, get up a little bit. There you go. You see how big he is, right? If you don't like the message, go talk to him. Amen for that. And of course, I have my princess and my, my youngest, and of course, the owner of my heart. Well, the second half was God. Folks, everybody wants to be blessed. The Bible says that children are a blessing. The Bible also says that the man who finds a wife is blessed. So we all want to be blessed. Raise your hands if you want to be blessed. Who here wants to be doubly blessed? Right? Some of you, hey, can I raise my foot? Go ahead. <laughs> Do so. Everybody wants to be blessed. But I have a question for you today. Something that I need you to meditate on. How is your or our attitude towards that perfect love? How is our attitude towards that perfect love? Are we trusting? Are we trusting in his perfect timing? Do we act in obedience? Oh, pastor, I'm waiting for a signal. Okay, here you go. You got the signal. Abraham, Abraham, here I am. Are you going to be obedient about it? Ooh, I don't know. I don't know. I, don't li I didn't like that, that answer. I'll wait for the next one. I know I've done it. Do we act in obedience? Or do we act like spoiled kids throwing tantrums, believing that we are entitled to a blessing just because we once, long time ago, made a profession of faith? 
church family, it is time for a checkup from the neck up. It's time that we examine ourselves. This might, feel, this might make some of you feel uncomfortable, but perfect love is uncomfortable. Perfect love demands for you to pray for your enemies. Perfect love demands that you turn the other cheek. Perfect love instructs us to give without the expectation of receiving back. Perfect love says to go that extra mile to go and help and serve others. It is uncomfortable. It is meant to be uncomfortable. As a pastor, I have to be obedient and tell you the things that you need to hear, which are not necessarily the things that you want to hear. But I have to be obedient because of that perfect love. So, so how is our attitude towards that perfect love? And to help us get better understanding of attitudes, Jesus shares a life lesson. Let's turn to Luke 15. Luke chapter 15, the Gospel of Luke. And we're going to go to um, chapter 15. And we read the story of two sons. One asked for his inheritance early. Because he's entitled to it. He is entitled to that inheritance. However, usually, you get your inheritance when the parent passes away. He's asking for the inheritance early. The father gives it to him. He's entitled to it. Ends up going away and squandering it. Wastes. The, the, the Bible says that he, in booze, dr- uh, uh, probably drugs if it was the modern age, and even uses the word prostitutes. I know it's kind of rough, but the Bible saying so right there. Until they get the point that he reaches bottom. The money runs out. It doesn't grow on trees. I know it's contrary to the video. But it does not grow on trees. It just runs out. He gets to a point when he needs an attitude checkup. And in verse 17... It says right there, very clear. When he came to his senses, that point where you have to self-examine his attitude. And he said, how many of my father's higher servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. Starving to death. Later on, we'll see that he decides to take action. It says on on, uh, verse 20, so he got up. And went to his father. He has that attitude checkup and then action. So he went to his father. It required that the son take action and go to the father. He practiced this little uh, speech. And he says, I have seen against heaven and, and you. Attitude. Action. And we continue and see something extraordinary that he did not expect. An example of perfect love. He says that he's walking towards the house where his father lives. And the father sees him at a distance. 
And it says, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. The father ran, he says, he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed them. That's an example of merciful love. Perfect love shown by a father towards his humble son. I'm sure the, the son was not looking all presentable. I'm sure that he wasn't smelling presentable. Not only did he physically stunk, but also his attitude has stunk in the past. But yet his father ran to him hugged them, and kissed them. But it doesn't stop there. The father orders the servants to bring the best robe and put a ring, put a ring on, on his finger. The ring representing redemption, reconciliation, and authority. Gave him his position back. He wasn't going to, he was going over there as a, to try to be like a servant. Because he asked them, can I be like one of your servants? His father said, mm, you're my son. You have your place of position right next to me. And also, he asked for a, a feast. A feast to be prepared with the fattest calf. And they all celebrated. Party time. Block party. And, and not just a little soiree, a little shindig. No, no, no. Party. Block party. Probably Spanish style. <laughs> there was probably a lot of food there. And people were there for two, three, or four days. They have some lechon, they have some pernil, arroz con gandules, we're here. <laughs> but it, the story doesn't stop there. We see one son with an attitude. Now we're going to see what happens to the older son. Verse 22 says, But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the father's robe and put it on him. So he gives them the position. He cleans them up. He gives them the authority. The, the servants now once again are, are serving to this young man. Verse 25 says, Meanwhile, the older son was in the field doing what he needs to be doing. When he came near the house and he heard the music and dancing, 26 says, So he called one of the servants and asked him, What's going on? Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened cow because he, was, he has him back and safe and sound. Now you think, in the older brothers, you go, Oh, he's back. Awesome. My brother is back. However, in verse 28, we see the attitude that he has. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. And once again, the father shows merciful love. Once again, the father steps out of that comfort zone and shows merciful love. He continues saying, so his father went out and pleaded with him. Pleaded, begged them, a little bit more, uh, a little stronger than just asked them to come in. Pleaded with him. See, the father did not need to have to go. He didn't have to go out there and plead with his son. But the son needed a, an attitude, an attitude checkup from the neck up as well. He was also walking with thoughts of entitlement. And I'll even dare say complacency. But his father, he answered his, to his father, says in verse 29, Look, all these years I've been enslaving for you, and you never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. 
There's right there, that's an attitude of entitlement. I've been here all this time. I have served you. I do whatever you ask me to do. I go to the field. You, you tell me to go to the field? I'll go to the field. I'll do what you need me to do. I've been here all this time. And Pepito, he goes and squanders all the money. And now you take him back? But he's not even pointing at him. He's saying, you know, what about me? What about me? I've always been here. See, right there is attitude of entitlement. His father tells him, we need to be glad. Your brother was, was dead, and now he lives again. He was lost, and now is found. Tremendous life lesson right there from a loving father, a merciful father. Church family, we live in a world that lives out in complacency. Encouraging tolerance, more so than, than living in the truth. Well, what is the truth? Our master says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. That right there, gospel. People say, well, I'm, I'm lost. I don't know what to do. I am unsure what I need to do. I will show you the way. Oh, what's the way? Jesus is the way. Oh, but I'm not so sure about this. I have some doubts. Jesus is the, the truth. He is the life. He comes in and saying, no one comes to the Father except through me. This is where I start to preach. Get ready. As a matter of fact, we're preaching. Holy I feel the Holy Spirit. I feel the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 6, Hebrews 6, uh, verse 1 to 3 says, Therefore, let us move forward. Let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. Which means it is time, church family, for us to start listening to light gospel, watered down gospel, and follow the true word of Christ. His teachings. There's a reason why they were written in this book. It is our time to take back the gospel. This is where a lot of churches are failing today. We get so caught up in this word that I heard um, during the uh, preparation for this message called churchianity. Some of you may have heard it or some of you have not, but there's a new word right there for you. We get so caught up in churchianity. Church is focusing on filling up seats. Efficient software so we can follow up with visitors. And churchgoers start thinking that by coming to church once a week, for an hour or two hours, we're good. Hey, I complied. Complacency. Maybe we get plugged into a life group. Maybe. We, and I'm saying everybody here, including myself, churches, teachers, volunteers, fathers, mothers, we need to teach others how to exercise our faith. We need to wear our faith. We need to exercise it. Just like Abraham did. He became obedient and willing to sacrifice his only son. And the, the Bible says, whom he loved. 
his promise, which means that he had to give up something that was so precious and valuable in order to obey God's request. Talk about feeling uncomfortable. Abraham had to become uncomfortable in his faith. Be obedient and take action. Exercise your faith. See, church family, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And faith without works is dead. The Bible said so. Exercise your faith. See, faith is like a muscle. It needs to be exercised, just like any other muscle. We are willing to spend good money and countless hours working out either at home or a gym, eating healthy to achieve the results desired. The same is with the muscle of faith. In order to strengthen it, we need to spend time in God's Word. We need to spend time in prayer. We need to spend time fasting, asking God for direction, receiving guidance and confirmation, exercising that faith muscle at our gym. And I'm going to use the, the word gym as an acronym, G-Y-M. G comes first. And what it stands for? God first. God first. Mark 12, 30 says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. G, God first. Why? You second. You, all of us here, you second. Because it says on, on, on uh, Mark 12, 31, the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. See, it doesn't say love yourself first and then love your neighbor. It puts the neighbor first. Love your neighbor and love yourself. So we have love God first, you second. And the letter M in relation to the letter G comes last, which stands for me last. You have to deny yourself. Jesus said to his disciple, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. That's in Matthew 16, 24, if you're taking down notes. Remember, that's an exam after this. <laughs> Folks, we need, we need, we must exercise our faith daily. Every day is a faith day. I know some of you who work out, they're like, oh, what's today? Leg day. <laughs> Every day is a faith day. Exercise that faith through prayer without ceasing, the word says so. Fasting always and often. Tithing, oh, don't get me started with that. Malachi 3.10, the God, God himself, the creator of the universe says, test me in this and see how many blessings you're going to get. More so that you, can even, you can't even store them. And yet we're still hesitant about reaching into the pocket. Serving. Oh. Jesus himself said I did not come to be served, but to serve others. We need to follow our, his example. Exercise faith means following Jesus' example. He came to do that. He came to serve. Looking, we, we must look for opportunities to serve. That, that team that is in now in Colombia, wow, how uncomfortable is that to give up a week's vacation from your job or from your school 
to go serve in another country. Most of them speak Spanish. Some of them don't. That's uncomfortable. But we don't have to go to Colombia or, um, or, or Kenya. We can serve right here in our community. Wednesday or Thursday, I'm going to plug that desire if you don't mind. You send the email about July 4th, correct? Okay. Avalon Church, this beautiful church, and I'm not talking about the, the building. The building is not the church. This is just four walls and a roof. You are the church. You are the church. This beautiful church right here has a, an awesome reputation in Avalon Park that every single um, event that there's, uh, happens in downtown Avalon, we have the church with the, with the tents up and the crafts for the kids. That is awesome. But we need volunteers to go out there and help. So if you haven't signed up through the email, maybe in the back, I'm not sure if they have a registration. Run. You should run. We do? We do? Awesome. I, I know it's Brandy. I know it's not you. <laughs> you sh we should be running and lining up and say, hey, how can I serve? It's only four hours? Put me down for, for an hour. Put me down for half an hour. Whatever it is, serve. Serve, because you, you're serving the church. But most important, you're serving God. You're exercising your faith. Who's to know that, that one person that needs to hear Jesus loves you, because the Bible tells me so, comes from your lips to that, that heart that's looking. I met one of my closest friends to one of those events in Avalon. He's not here right now. He's, he should arrive already in Colombia. And we have a, this beautiful relationship right now. And he serves. He's always looking to serve. He sings up here. It is amazing what God can do. And not, I'm not an eloquent speaker, but he, he told me, thank you for that word that you gave me that day. I need it, really, need to, really needed to hear that today. And because of that, he is here. So I give all praise to God for that, that he used me to reach out to that person. Some of us need to be used. Some of us need to be available to be used. Serving. God first, you second, me last. As a matter of fact, say it with me. God, God first, you second, me last. That should be our attitude. Avalon Church, Avalon Gym. Write that down, Ira. See, the world says that this sounds like religion. Oh, here comes the religious nuts. Here comes the hallelujahs, as I say to you in Spanish. Ahí vienen los hallelujahs. Glory to God. See, I disagree. Because religion says that God will love, love us. If we change, the Bible tells me that God's love will change us. He doesn't love us because we change. The, the world will change us. Society tells us that being obedient is, is fearful because you have to surrender control. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do this. The Bible tells me that he is in control. He knows the plans that he has for you. And that perfect love drives out fear. There makes no sense for us to be walking in fear. 
because he walks with us all the time. God is good. And all the time? Great. Let's not leave the Spanish folks. ¿Quién vive? Cristo. ¿Y a su nombre? Gloria. ¿Y esta iglesia? Gloria. For those of you who are saying, what are they saying? What are they saying? I say, who lives? Christ. And to his name, all glory. And this church, in victory. Because we have Christ in us. Let's give a round of applause for, for Christ. Perfect love from the perfect Father. And I'm going to conclude with this. So I'm going to ask our, our, um, Pastor Arthur and his team to come up. Perfect love drives out per, uh, fear. Fear is the, it's another acronym. I know I'm full of acronyms. Fear stands for false evidence appearing real. When you have Jesus in your heart, you walk with no fear. Why? Because he has promised to be with us until the end of time. There's a reason for that promise. He has a purpose for each and every single one of you. Some of you are as fathers. You're thinking, well, that's simple. I'm, I just wake up and I'm a dad today. But you know what? It's a, it's a ministry. It really is. Especially if you have teenagers. <laughs> Some of you are single moms. And I, I, I pray for you for a double anointing. Because it, it's rough having to do two jobs. I admire that. As a church family, we need to support each other. And not only here in these four walls, but also outside. 32828 is our mission field. July 4th is just one of the opportunities to serve. Monday's afternoon, another team goes and feeds the homeless in downtown Orlando. Sunday afternoon, another team goes and feeds the homeless in Bithlow. Opportunities to serve. Oh, pastor, but I can't because I don't, I don't know how to cook. You, can you pour food? You qualify. Congratulations. Oh, I can't because I'm working. Then you know what? $10 goes a long way to buy food for those people. I learned a long time ago that we're only one paycheck away from being them. Where's our attitude, church family? It is a time for the... the for the checkup from the neck up and to take action. We need to take action. When we started, we started our study time this afternoon, remember that I told you the story goes beyond that, beyond being a father? And that's because each and every single one of you may or may not be, like I said, a father or a mother. But you have an opportunity to be a blessing to somebody else. That's what the church is all about. I look up to this gentleman because during each service, there's not a, a child out there that doesn't get a high five from him. Whether it's 130 degrees outside or whether it's in here with the air conditioning. John is everybody's grandfather. I, I asked him to adopt me, but he said I'm too old. Okay, but he still gave me a high five. So I'm happy about that. He pours out so much into other kids and teenagers. Some of your kids and some of your teenagers. That's a great example of perfect love. 
And that's because I know John is fearful of the Lord and he's obedient to his word. No matter what our background, we all have something in common. We love God and we love our children. Whether they're natural, whether they're adopted, or whether they're church children, we love them. And I know that I want to be a better father. I want to be a better dad. We keep hearing, we're not perfect. We are not. Yo he metido las cuatro patas, okay? But I'm willing to learn. I have five great examples in my life of what a father should be. My father, who sacrificed his time with me and sent me to another country so I can get a better education. My grandfather who raised me. And just last year he passed away at the age of 94. 24, 25 grandkids. We're a big family. My uncle, who's really like my brother, he will spend his last dollar. Well, at that time it was Sucres, but his last dollar just so I can be distracted enough, he will take me to the movies or take me out to eat, so that way I, won't, I wouldn't be sad and thinking about how far away I'm from my parents. My father-in-law, not a perfect man, but he loves his daughters perfect. And of course, God's Word. God's Word, the Bible. The Bible has the answers of how to become a, a, a perfect father, a perfect parent. The Bible is nothing more than a love story of a loving father trying to reconcile with his kids. The Word shows me a father who loves, not a cosmic judge ready to smite someone when they make a mistake but a loving father who ran to his lost son, hugged him, and kissed him. Regardless of his condition, smell, and presence. Perfect father loving us so perfectly. Folks, that's the gospel right there. So what's an atti our attitude going to be when he calls you? He's not going to call you Abraham, Abraham, unless, of course, your name is Abraham. He has a tendency of changing people's names, so that's, I'm cool with that. But when he says, William, William, when he says Ira, Ira, when he says Tracy, Tracy, when he says Rosa, Rosa, are you going to say, here I am? Or are you going to say... Maybe later, because right now it's, the game is on. Folks, it is time for the checkup from the neck up. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, loving Father, we stand in awe of your, of your presence. Thank you for the examples that you have given us this afternoon. We know that there's much more in the Bible. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful 
for each of the fathers here present this afternoon, this morning. And we ask that you give them a double anointing this week. That you give them the time to ponder about your word. To study it. But most important, to live it and to share it. We pray for those ladies, special ladies that do both jobs. Heavenly Father, you know it's not easy to give your only son whom you love. Help us see us, our, see our children through your eyes. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says, Amen. Amen.